भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येमाक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुष्टुवागुंसस्तनु व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति न पूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्षो अरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शांति 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 सो वी हेव बीन स्टडिंग द फोर्थ चैप्टर ऑफ गौड़पादस मांडुक्य कारिका which is his verse commentary on the mandukya upanishad and of course there is a sanskrit commentary by shankaracharya on gaudapada's um, mandukya karika now the fourth chapter uh, the alata shanti prakarana the it's called the quenching of the firebrand the firebrand example is like this if you take a firebrand like a you know we used to call them phuljadi or um, sparklers if you swing them around swing the firebrand around you'll get patterns you see patterns in the darkness uh, like patterns of light you can do that if you take a flashlight and swing it around also you can get those patterns in the darkness now just like that uh, what gaudapada is proposing is that turiya consciousness itself because of that consciousness like those patterns emerges uh, the waker and the waking experience the dreamer and the dream experience these experiences are like those patterns and they emerge because of consciousness and really speaking gaudapada is saying they do not emerge there's nothing there that is there except that consciousness itself so uh, that is the example of the firebrand and the quenching of the firebrand alata shanti the quenching of the firebrand is just recognizing that in all our varied experiences of life Uh, all these are like those patterns emerging because of swinging the firebrand around similarly all these varied experiences of life are nothing but the consciousness um so all these varied experiences are merged back into the consciousness so to speak so to say this is the quietening or the cessation or the quenching of the firebrand it's not that you actually put the firebrand out you cannot consciousness is ever there and that's what you are realizing that everything in our in your life uh, is like the fire brand the patterns emerging by waving the fire brand across uh, that is what is called quenching the fire brand alata shanti prakaranam who am i i am that consciousness the turiyam this is actually the same thing uh, the central teaching of advaita vedanta that brahman alone is real the world is an appearance and you are none other than brahman in um, mandukya language the turiyam alone is real the world what is the world in mandukya language the waker's world the dreamer's world and even the potential uh, world of the bijas seed form in that deep sleep they are all appearances just like the patterns which emerge when we swing a firebrand around and you the sentient being you who consider yourself to be this waker having a waking experience and you consider this to be the reality what vedanta is telling you that no this is an appearance the reality is you are that background consciousness turiyam what good does that do all good all trouble is in identifying ourselves with the changing mass of patterns body and the world 
and all peace solution to our problems is realizing here and now that we are that background consciousness which is immortal which is beyond change which is not subject to birth or death it's not subject to old age disease or death it's not subject to elation or depression so you're free of that even in the midst of the patterns all right um what we did last time was verse number um verse number 60 we did that last time najeshu sarvadharmeshu shashvata shashvata vidha yatra varnana vartante viveka satra nochate so um language does not begin to describe either tathuryam or the world appearance neither brahman nor the world appearance can be adequately described by language that was the meaning why can't brahman atharyam be described by language seventh mantra we saw um avyapadeshyam not an object of words that's what he is uh, referring to here as tatra varnana vartante varna means letters words cannot refer to the ultimate reality but here it specifically means words or, or cannot de- adequately describe this creation either especially the jeevas us how do we emerge uh, what is the cause and uh, why is this happening you know what godapada's answer is that causality is not real there is no real emergence of the jeevas and there is no cause of them either turiyam alone is the reality and therefore language cannot adequately describe even this uh, specifically this is the, these statements are the origin of the later doctrine of anirvachaniyata anirvachaniyata means um, language cannot describe this creation as being either absolutely real or for, or unreal it's not absolutely real because it comes and goes and knowledge uh, falsifies it specific statement this creation is not absolutely real because it's falsified or falsifiable by knowledge you realize that it's not a snake so the snake which you saw if you can realize it's not a snake it's a rope in that case that snake was not a real snake um yet you cannot dismiss it as unreal as non-existent seeing that it makes all this difference that is swami vivekananda's language you cannot dismiss it as being no, uh, unreal because seeing that it makes all this difference in our lives therefore language cannot describe it as being real or unreal um anirvachaniyam in sanskrit sad asad bhyam anirvachaniyam inability to express it as sat pure being or asat completely non existent so that's what we had done now today we will go ahead i know i am rushing a little but uh, for two reasons not just for the reason of <laughs> completing it but also actually you will see and you are seeing how many of these things are repetitions um uh, we have seen on this long journey that what was said in the first second and third chapters sometimes verbatim sometimes the actual verses are repeated so gaurapada has one objective here establishing non duality and in his own way what is his way by attacking causality and there is no cause no effect only turiyam is there so that is his approach and he is um, what is the use of all of this 
we get a deeper understanding of what advaita means by exploring it together with gaudapada he takes us into some very fascinating very deep and profound deliberations on non duality and causality and uh, it has its implications for our spiritual life also so i'll go ahead every three or four verses i'll stop and see what observations comments or questions are there um sashank will help me by unmuting you he'll keep a lookout for your questions and uh, uh we'll discuss it and then again take up a few more verses so that's how this ev- uh, evening will go all right let's see verse number 61 yatha swapne dvaya bhasam chittam chalati mayaya तथा जाग्रद्वयाभासम चित्तम चलति मायया एज इन अ ड्रीम द कॉन्शियसनेस वाइब्रेट्स एज दो हैविंग ड्यूअल फंक्शंस ड्यूअलिटी सो इन द वेकिंग स्टेट कॉन्शियसनेस वाइब्रेट्स एज दो विथ एज दो विथ so remember the example which i had um, mentioned in the last class that i was in i was dreaming actually but it felt like i was in the plains of africa and being chased by a lion and i climbed a tree and all that that whole thing now where imagine the dream what was going on there i felt here i am located in a body and this body is located in a in a space this space of the plains of africa and there is time and there is space and there is this fearsome object the lion and there is an event the lion is running and i am running and there are internal feelings also of uh, fear and anxiety and terror and so on so all of this was experienced i and this world africa and the lion subject object now look at the verse it says yatha swapne as in your dream o swami dwayabhasam you saw this appearance of duality what duality subject object i am there these things are there and things are going on and did you not see it yes i saw it chittam chalati mayaya but it was all the vibration of one mind mayaya that's why it's saying dwayabhasam the appearance abhasam means appearance the appearance of duality why are you calling it appearance of duality because o swami did you not realize after waking up there was neither subject nor object nor was the swami there nor was the lion there and not not the swami neither the lion yeah. subject object neither were there what was there chittam the mind alone or consciousness in itself it it was as if vibrating and dividing itself into two it was the dreamer's mind here he has used chittam as consciousness but we can take it as the mind it is the dreamer's mind which appears as subject and object and we all agree when we wake up that um, um, there was really no subject really no object although you experienced it fully as subject object dwayabhasam appearance of duality okay we accept that's what happened in the dream then so what tatha jagrat dwayabhasam chittam chalati mayaya exactly the same thing is happening here in the waking world also you have consciousness in consciousness appears duality what is duality i am the subject sarva priyananda here and 
this is my object what is the object this um, computer and the people who are listening there this room space time it is 745 uh, and so on all this is the objective world which I inhabit both of these are appearing in consciousness they are appearances because chittam chalati maya because of maya but remember at that time of course in Gaudapada's time the fully developed post Shankara Advaitic whole maya apparatus was not there but he used it sort of uh, in the sense of magic illusion appearance inexpl inexplicability like that so chittam chalati maya consciousness because of maya appears as subject and object let me read out here for you Swami Vivekananda's poem which I have referred to again and again this is from song of the sannyasin there is but one the free the knower self without a name without a form or stain in him is maya dreaming all this dream the witness here pay attention here the witness sakshi he appears as nature soul he appears as nature object the world universe soul the subject know thou art that that means that consciousness that witness the, the knower the self the free the one know thou art that sannyasi board say om tat sat om it's almost uh, just uh, um, you know putting Gaudapada in, in this kind of uh, uh, in, in English verse it's exactly the same thing which, which Gaudapada is saying here already we have got questions but no I'll do one more uh, verse because it's exactly the same thing and then we will take questions number 62 Advayam chadvaya bhasam chittam swapne na samshaya Advayam chadvaya bhasam tatha jagran na samshaya There is no doubt that consciousness though one appears in dream in dual aspects so also in the waking state consciousness though one appears to have two aspects or duality subject object so exactly the same thing as earlier but here is saying the consciousness which is one turiya which is one not two that appeared in the dream as um, the the swami and the lion let's not take turiya will we'll, this discussion will become more deep in the next few verses but let's just say, take uh, for the sake of understanding in the dream just understand the dream example on its own terms without bringing in consciousness or uh, Turiya or anything like that. A common sense understanding of the dream which everybody will accept. What is that? Um, in the dream, I, the dreamer, forgetting myself that I am safe on my bed and sleeping, uh, forgetting my, my identity as the dreamer, that's very important. Sleep makes you forget the reality. Once the reality is forgotten, not within our um, radar anywhere, now I, the one mind of the dreamer, appears as two, as duality or multiplicity. I become the subject, the Swami wandering in the plains of Africa or something. I become the object also. Yeah. As the one becomes nature and soul. One consciousness or the one mind becomes like that. Now this is an accurate 
phenomenological description of our dream. We all agree here. Now, what the claim is, so this is, there is no doubt, as Gaudapada says, na samshaya, there is no doubt about it. This is how we understand dreams. In the same way, in the waking also, he is not saying that the mind is becoming all this. It's rather he is saying, Turiya, the consciousness is appearing as two. As you, the subject, the waker, in Mandukya uh, language, Vishwa. And you are appearing as the universe experienced by the waker. Jagrat Prapancha, the waking universe. The one non-dual consciousness appears as a dual experience. Okay, this is what's claimed here. Let's see. Uh, Shashank? Is Prabhupada? Yes. The first... Uh, the uh, first verse, if I translate, it sounds like it should be translated as mind influenced by Maya. Why did Gambiranandaji introduce the word vibrates? Because that introduces a little more confusion. Well, why did Gambiranandaji use the word? The vibrates in the translation. Chalati is vibrates. Chalati means moves. It's not, it, it can be translated as, as influenced also, right? Uh, yes, and that's what is the accurate meaning. But the reason is Gaudapada himself uses such language, spanda, vibration. You will see earlier he has used and again he will use. So the, the way to reconcile this is because of Maya it appears to move. Consciousness, Turiya cannot move. However, our under, if you are going to use the dream as an example, you should not bring in Turiya. So there, though Gaudapada has used Chitta in the sense of consciousness, we will see later on, we will make a distinction between mind and consciousness and understand dream on its own terms, just like everybody understands dream. How do any of us understand dream? Our mind dreams. And the mind definitely chalati, it moves, it vibrates, it changes. Yeah. But you are right. If you are going to talk about Turiyam or consciousness, better not say chalati, vibrates. And also, the question is that, uh, here, uh, the translation seems to translate chittam as consciousness. It is, and that's so correct. It's equating dream and, and waking. Yes, it is. And that's what's Gaudapada's intention. We will in, in, uh, explore this a little later. Notice how I explained it. I did not want to equate chittam with consciousness. Though Gaudapada is consistently using chittam as consciousness here, um, in most places. Uh, but in Vedanta, we make a difference. Chittam is mind and chit is consciousness. Uh, that is, but these are later developments, later clarifications. Gaurapada, therefore, is a little hard to grasp there. But one can see what he is trying to say. Um, to make it easier, we will take, we'll take it in two steps. Instead of straight away jumping, consciousness alone vibrates as subject-object in dream. There is no doubt. Consciousness alone vibrates as subject-object in, in waking. There is no doubt. That's what Gaurapada says. And he means it. He, he means it literally. And ultimately, that's what it must be. But we generally don't understand it that way. We have to take it in two steps. First step is, dream means mind is dreaming. You're not bringing consciousness into it. Um, although consciousness must be there. Without consciousness, mind cannot do anything. And then, in the waking state, just like in the dream, subject-object are produced by the mind. Similarly, the claim is in the waking state, this so-called real universe is actually appearance in consciousness, in chittam. But if this is so, 
it is also true in the dream in the dream also the mind of the dreamer and its own internal subject object the whole thing is an appearance in consciousness must be an appearance in turiya because dreamer and dreamer's world waker and waker's world and deep sleeper and deep sleeper's potential world they are all equally appearances in turiya so this is the conclusion godapada in one sense is terribly difficult to not to understand but to digest but uh, he is very consistent that way and is very simple and straight that way and unshakable yes thank you yes next I think girish wanted to ask something yes girish ji beautiful thank you thank yes you. Um, i i find myself going back to basics all the time and uh, chewing on the old questions again so in that vein I I understand the need for the concept of maya and and also karma to explain the waking world as experienced by the jivas. Maya is the appearance of the objects in Brahman, karma is the motive force of the world, uh, time space causation etc. But why do we need the concept of transmigration of souls and reincarnation? What does reincarnation contribute? to an explanation of experiences we because we don't even experience reincarnation for the most part ourselves and you know asked another way um death for the dream jeevas the dream jeevas in dreamer's dream is, is like a light switch the the dreamer wakes up and the and the jeevas are dead essentially they don't reincarnate so why do the jeevas of the waking world uh transmigrate if you want right in spirit in essence you know that gaurapada agrees with you see he dismisses karma when he dismisses causality he dismisses karma we have gone through this earlier yes. uh, there was a whole discussion about karma uh, what is karma then which comes first does karma come first or the body come first that means the birth come first Uh, and then there's a whole multi-step step discussion which led to the questioning of the whole concept of karma and overthrowing it but you cannot do it halfway house you if you say i understand the need for karma then you should understand the need for reincarnation also if karma is in some way to be accepted to make sense of this world then uh, all these effects you are presented with because we don't enter the world uh, at the very beginning we enter the movie when the movie is already on we are born when things are already going on presumably for a long time if that's our understanding then we are presented with a whole um a menu of effects for which where are the causes why is one kid uh, born in an affluent country with the parents who give that kid all facilities and you know another kid is born uh, in the midst of famine and danger and death why what karma did that kid perform if we karma is true then karma must extend backwards also b- before this birth and the old question people ask that hitler did so many bad things why did he not suffer and one death is not enough probably true in that case there must be effects later on uh, this person did so so much good but where as where is the reward for that that person just suffered and died so we we don't see a match between causes and effects if that is not if causes and effects an unbroken change for everything then why not for the jeevas 
Unbroken chain means it goes backwards and uh, extends forwards also in time. But yes, Gaudapada com uh, questions the whole thing. You know, you saw that uh, discussion. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes. One th uh, just before you go, uh, yeah. just to remind you, we have said this again and again. Remember, we are dealing with Gaudapada. We are dealing with the uh, with the Everest peak, the highest peak in the <laughs> Himalayas, which are pretty high themselves. So in Advaita Vedanta, there is nothing higher than this. I mean, I mean higher than this at the most, you can say Ashtavakra or something will be there. But that's, they're not trying to do philosophy there. They're just stating a conclusion. The conclusion of, say, Gaurapada, if you state it in 18 chapter over hundreds of verses, you will get Ashtavakra. But when you're doing philosophy, Gaurapada is sort of the last word. You will see, uh, maybe today or tomorrow, he will go even further. Do you think he cannot go further? You know, his precious conclusions, non-causality, Ajatavad, the, the doctrine that nothing is originating, that also he will abandon. <laughs> you will see. Uh, I mean, it will just leave you breathless. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. So, Swamiji, the waking world is also like the dream world according to Gaurapada. Yes. So, from where are we getting the uh, concept of objects? Like, if the snow snake is, uh, the rope is appearing as snake, hmm. we must have seen the snake at some point of time. Right. Right. So, so, let me answer this specific question. Do you understand? It's a good question because and it's an ancient question and it's wonderful that uh, you're coming up with it now it just shows that your thinking is on track. But it's a really ancient question. Um, Non-dualists have been faced with this question from dualists. You know what the form of the question is? Um, as she said, if you see a, a snake in a rope and the snake is not true, then you must have seen a snake earlier. The dualist asks this question that it's because you saw a real snake somewhere you have a samskara of a snake and that's why you make this mistake seeing a rope in semi-darkness you suddenly see it as a rope if that's your example then oh non-dualist oh advaitin you are in trouble because you are admitting that you must have seen a real world sometime and now you are mistaking brahman for the world so if there is a real world which you saw sometime now, why, why go to all this convoluted philosophy? Why not just say you are seeing the real world now? Why say that you are mistaking Brahman for the real world? This is the question. The answer is subtle, but it's also <laughs> very interesting. The answer is, to make a mistake, what do you need? You need to have, it is true, you need to have the impression of a snake. Which, and to get the impression of a snake, you must have got it sometime earlier. You must have experienced it. You must have experienced it, experienced a snake earlier to, to make a mistake about a snake now. Understood? This is, we, are, we are agreed on this. Now the Advaitin says, notice what you just said. You said you need a ex prior experience of an object like a snake to make a mistake about it now. Right? Yes. Does that prior experience have to be of a real external object? Or could it be an appearance? I'm asking, could it be possible that the child who sees this uh, movie about ghosts can make a mistake about a ghost, you know, get scared about ghosts at night and says, Mommy, there's a ghost in my room. Is it possible? Is it possible that a child who sees Jurassic Park and sees a movie about dinosaurs has never seen a real dinosaur? 
can dream about dinosaurs, can have a nightmare about dinosaurs, can see a dark uh, moving tree outside the window and think that there's a dinosaur. Is it possible? Yes. Now, uh, it's, it happens all the time. The, the Advaitin says, all you need to make a mistake is the previous experience. And the previous experience need not be of a real thing. It could be of an appearance. You can experience an appearance and then make a mistake about it again. They need not at all be. They, for example, they might not be ghosts. You may hear stories about ghosts and they never ever may, might never have been a ghost. And yet you make the mistake about ghosts. Children have imaginary friends all the time. Similarly, these are projections in consciousness. Gaudapada would say like firebrand moving. And you get these experiences life after life. And you experience them again. That's the answer. <laughs> So this is, this is due to the projecting power of the mind. It yes. The yes. Uh, because of Maya, consciousness appears as subject-object. As um, Swami Vivekananda said, one alone exists. The witness, it appears as nature, soul. Witness, Sakshi consciousness, Thuriya, pure consciousness. Appears as nature means the entirety of Prakriti, universe. Maya and all its products. And soul means the subject, you. Consciousness with mind operating through senses and the body. Both are appearances. Right, I'll just stop there. Shashank? Yes, Abhijit. Pranam Swamiji. Namaskar. Uh, for verse 62, it says that uh, the waking state which is non-dual. Why is the waking state non-dual? Um, oh, therefore in the waking, not only in waking state, in waking, in the dream, in deep sleep, there is only one reality, Turiya, which is non-dual, but it appears as dual. He is referring to the, referencing to the Turiya in the waking. Yes. I see. So, what he says is, Swapne, in dream, it is the non-dual Turiyam which is appearing as the duality. Just like... We don't understand it that way, but the way we understand it is mind, no, mind is appearing as subject-object in, in sleep. And that's a good example. Right. The, yeah. And here also, in the waking, the same Turiyam, which is non-dual, is appearing as duality. Good. Now let's move on. Okay, 63 and 64, simple enough. And this discussion will become pretty deep in 65 and 66. But 63 and 64 are similar. Alright, in fact, before I get into it, let me just um, explain what's going to happen. This is a deeper exploration of the dream and waking examples which we just saw. It helps to have this picture in mind. Consciousness, mind and world. Consciousness, mind and world. Consciousness is Turiyam, Atman, Purusha, Sakshi, whatever you call it, our real nature. And that's, all, that's the real subject, the, the ultimately the illuminer of all experiences. And that's what we are according to Advaita Vedanta. Now introduce the mind. Thoughts, feelings, emotions. In Vedanta, the four functions, 
the ego, ahankara, the intellect, buddhi, the, um, the storehouse of impressions, the chitta, and the mind itself, the uh, manas, which in which all sense organs dump their information, which coordinates everything and so on and so forth. All the functions of the, our inner being, uh, thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, memories, desires, uh, uh, intentions, all of that, mind. And the world, external world and our bodies too, anything physical, anything publicly shared between us, which we all see. So we have three now, consciousness, mind, world. Consciousness is, uh, is the real subject. It is never, never an object. It's impossible for it to be an object. The mind is the provisional subject which experiences the world. It's an object to consciousness. But it is the subject when it comes to knowing the world. And the world is always an object. Let me repeat that. Very important. Consciousness is ever the subject. It can never be objectified. The mind is an object with respect to consciousness. It's an object to consciousness. And I'm not saying anything strange here because we are aware of our thoughts, feelings, emotions. If you introspect, you're aware of that. They're lit up by you, the consciousness. That's all I mean. So the mind is an object with respect to consciousness. But with respect to the world, the mind is a subject. It knows the world. So we have three now. Now let's go into it. Um, these verses, we'll be able to understand these better. This consciousness, mind, world. He uses this paradigm to understand dream and he again uses this paradigm to understand waking. So keep it in mind. Consciousness, mind, world. Verse number 63. Swapna drik pracharan swapne Dikshu vaidashashusthitan Andajan svedajan vapi Jeevan pashyati yan sada Let's do 64 also. They are given together here. Swapna drik chitta drishyaste Na vidyante tatav prithak Tatha tadrishyame vedam Swapna drik chitta so what is what has been said here in a dream in a dream the dreamer becomes a subject a knower in this world just take my example of my dream in Africa so I find myself in this vast plain and uh, there's this lion and I can see my own body. So I am the Swapnadrik. I am the knower of this, um, the seer of the dream, the subject, the person in the dream, already in the dream. Pracharan Swapne, wandering around in the dream world, Dikshu, in the, in the, ten, in the ten directions, Dikshu Vai Dasha Sustitan. So wandering in the ten directions or knowing things in ten directions. What are the ten directions? This is just you know, north, west, east uh, and south and then northeast and northwest and uh, southeast and um, um, uh, southwest. So, eight directions and then up and down. So, ten directions. Knowing things in all ten directions, experiencing things in all ten directions. Where? In the dream world. I am the dreamer. 
So, there is consciousness and the dreamer's mind, the subjective mind of the uh, person in the dream, experiencing all the creatures there. Um, what are those creatures? Andajan, Swedajan, Vapi. So, this is not important but requires little explanation. Born of eggs and born of moisture. So, they had a simple classification of beings. Now, we, in school we learned an elaborate Latin classification of uh, all plants and animals. You have to memorize that and write down, you know, by the phyla and the genera and the species and all of that. Very detailed and elaborate. But um, in those days, they had a very simple classification for the purposes of uh, just doing philosophy. So, all living beings are of, they divided into four categories. Um, Jarayuja, born of womb, so mammals, um, human beings like, like us, all mammals born of the womb and then uh, Andaja, born of eggs, so like birds and uh, reptiles and so on and then um, there was the Swedaja, born of moisture. Now before you start yelling, there is nothing born of moisture. It is like uh, insects or lice or um, you know, a mosquito for example. So, we know that they are born of eggs of course, but uh, they are usually born in humid or moist places. So, um, that is why the, uh, you will find the city or the municipality tells you to not to have leave stagnant water lying around because it leads to. So, anyway, so their, their idea was there are creatures, tiny creatures born of moisture. And then Udbhida, Udbhid, uh, Udbhid means that which is born bursting forth from the earth. So, plants the, which germinate from under the earth and then burst forth, you know, pierce the earth. Udbit literally means piercing the earth. So, there are four kinds of creatures. Gaurapada mentions only two here. Andajan means born of eggs and Swedajan born of humidity. Um, Jivan Pashyati Yan Sadahus. So, in the dream, I see all these beings. I see um, the lion coming. Ah. So, the lion is born not of an egg, but of the womb of its uh, mother lioness. And then there is this uh, tree I saw. So, it's born, it's an Udbhid, it, it, it's born from the earth, piercing the earth and so on. So, all these creatures which we experience in the dream, that's the first one. It's a description of the dream state. Now, how did I experience these? I, the subject, was the mind of the dreamer. And the object was this dream world. 65th verse says, Swapna drik chitta drishyaste navidyate tataf prithak. Notice all these creatures, the entire dream world did not exist apart from the mind. Uh, this we realize when we wake up, the dreamer's mind. My mind alone produced those, all those creatures in the dream, including me, the fellow who was walking around in the Af plains of Africa. None of them exist apart from the dreamer's mind. Point one. And then he makes this next conclusion. And the dreamer's mind has no existence apart from consciousness. It is revealed by consciousness. It appears in consciousness and it disappears in consciousness. Two levels. All the um, creatures and everything, places, events, whatever you saw in the dream. All types of creatures, born of egg or whatever. All the places, the plains of Africa, all the events which happened, the space and time, all of that. And the personal body, 
all of that is not separate from the mind which dreamt it. Absolutely true. Step 2. The mind which dreamt it is not separate from the consciousness which illumines that mind. It does not exist apart from that consciousness. It's like a wave in that consciousness. It's no more than a pattern of the firebrand. It's no more than a vibration of that consciousness within quotes. So, this is the description of the dream. Now you know where this is going. He is immediately going to apply it to the waking state. 65-66. He is going to apply the same thing to the waking state. Charan jagarite jagrad dikshu vaidashashusthitan andajan swedajan vapi jivan pashyati ansadam jagrat chitte kshani aste na vidyante tatafprithak tatha tadrishyame vedam jagrat chittam ishyate Alright, so it's easy to understand these verses because they are exactly almost sort of um, rhythmic repetition of the earlier verses. What did he say? Charan Jagarite Dashashu Dikshu in the 10 directions in the waking world right now as you are walking around everywhere in your room and outside and wherever uh, maintaining social distancing and all of that. All of this which you see and all the beings you come across, born of eggs or born of humidity um, or born of the womb, all these and the plants in the central park, all these beings you come across, all the things which are happening in this waking world, the space and the time and all of that is nothing apart from the mind which is experiencing it. Some of you should look skeptical. <laughs> Now, here he is taking a very Vijnanavada position, the Buddhist uh, idealist position. He is taking an idealist position here. None of this is, we can argue this out, none of this is anything apart from the mind which is experiencing it. The subject which experiences it, the mind, your mind right now, that is, uh, and all that you experience now is in you, in, in that mind itself. So, that is the 65th verse. 66th, that mind it does not exist apart from the consciousness in which it is appearing and which is illumining that mind. So, the consciousness is the reality, is the ultimate subject in which appears the mind, which becomes a provisional subject, which knows the objects which are also appearing in that mind. So, this objective world is now understood to be nothing other than the mind which is experiencing that objective world. Right now, waking is making this claim, you the mind are experiencing the subject which is experiencing the objects, the objects are not different from you the subject. And you the subject, the subjective mind uh, is not different from the real subject consciousness. Remember that picture, consciousness, mind, world. In the, what he did in the dream, he reduced everything experienced in the dream to the dreaming mind. Then he reduced the dreaming mind to nothing but the consciousness which was illumining the dream which is that thurium. The same consciousness now illumines the waking state. In the waking state what happens? Everything that you experience is nothing apart from the uh, waker's mind, your mind. And your mind is nothing apart from the uh, consciousness, Thurium. Thurium is the only reality which appears as mind, then becomes the, which becomes the provisional subject and then appears as its objects. And you have subject-object experience. 
that's his or the mandukya world view don't worry he'll reject all of it very soon <laughs> all right now let's see if you have any questions right now yes sudeep pranam swami ji yes sudeep ji uh, so the question i have is as i do understand that gaudapada is making the parallel between the dream state to the real world yes and to an extent one can also apply that to deep sleep but then looking at the question earlier question which girish ji asked that about punarjanma and all that how do you tie the experiences past death into what category does it go to the deep sleep area does it go to the dream area or how do you reconcile the punarjanma which is after death and then the karma law applies it because you can look at only three states right waking dream and deep sleep and hmm. then turiyam is the ultimate hmm. so what about the state which is past or your death is there a new state or is it already included in turiya notice that all states are false according to godapada he is not saying that there is turiyam and there is waking and there is dream and there correct. is deep sleep no he is saying there is only turiyam turiyam correct yeah. Now, when you ask about karma and past lives and future lives and all of that, you are ignoring Turiyam. What you are saying is, this life is real, this waking life. And I have had earlier lives in which I had similar experiences, waking, dreaming, deep sleep. And now I am having waking, dreaming, deep sleep. And I have future lives in which I have waking, dreaming, deep sleep. So, this is the common sense uh, uh, idea. Um, our the basic materialist idea is that this is cut off from birth and death. when with the birth of the body this experience begins with the death of the body this experience ends religion extends it further uh, vedanta or buddhism or any of the religions It says no no not with the beginning of the body not with the beginning of the end of the body the mind and the body are not mind is not born from the body the mind exists before the body with the body and then after the body in other bodies so there is a continuation we have come here through many lives and many bodies and bringing with many samskaras and then we are going through these experiences and we will have further experiences in future and if you believe in god and some kind of spirituality you will get maybe liberated from this old cycle godapada rejects this whole thing he is saying that waking dreaming and deep sleep are not ultimately real their appearances in consciousness if waking dreaming and deep sleep are not ultimately real then what we experience in waking dreaming deep sleep individual going through experiences possibly past lives future lives all of that now becomes under question right so godapada is not interested in fact he will say that um, past life and future life keep it apart for the time being do you even have a present life mm-hmm. <laughs> he will say okay it's like asking the swami that i will save you from the lion but tell me first this lion why do you think it is attacking you oh i am a vedantist i know some past life i must have been a lion and bitten one swami now the lion is going to bite me <laughs> so oh so you existed i must have because i can see the effect so karma must be there and that karma i don't remember so it must be somewhere before my birth as a swami godapada will say are you really a swami is this really africa is there really a lion is this all really happening does it require an explanation no 
what does it require waking up waking up when you see it from the waking person oh i was in manhattan in my bedroom then all the questions are unimportant why the lion attacked me the answer is there was no lion and there was no me it looked like that no doubt even after waking up i cannot deny i saw it was an experience so i have to say that it was not ultimately real ultimately real is i the waker here gorapada is saying push it further here also right now also what is it that you are experiencing external world mind of sarvapriyananda illumined by awareness now this external world of sarvapriyananda is it different from the mind of sarvapriyananda gorapada says no here a big step is being taken in philosophy they call it subjective idealism so this is borrowing from the buddhists but then it goes further even the mind of sarvapriyananda has is there any proof of that mind without the consciousness once you go to consciousness it's no longer sarvapriyananda anymore so where is sarvapriyananda in this mind in this world but this mind and this world are both appearances in an impersonal consciousness which is common to all of us or rather we are all appearances in that impersonal consciousness that is gorapada's very radical claim and you have to realize it here and now there i woke up what is waking up i moved from one state to another i moved happily from dream to waking and that solved my problem here gorapada says you cannot move to another state there are only three states and moving from state to state will not help you uh, all these states are due to ignorance the reality is the reality underlying these states which is always available turiya is available right now turiya was available in dream turiya was available in deep sleep but but uh, waking state has the peculiar advantage of having mandokya and zoom and uh, uh, people to talk about it and helping you to come out of this so coming out is not going to another state called turiya coming out is realizing that i am the turiya okay thank you thank you you do realize the questions you are asking are proper questions in any kind of dualistic religious context and there are answers there are answers what about past life and how does it work and they will give you a long answer gorapada says is any of it is is it true that's what he's asking All right, Bill. Maharaj, uh, a comment and a question. The comment is about what you just said about the dream. The psychoanalyst would look at the at your dream and say, "Oh, this says something about your emotions in your waking life." Yes. But that aside, here's my question. Uh, somewhere, Swami Vivekananda says, "God, the infinite dreamer." dreaming finite dreams yes would gorapada agree with that formulation in fact gorapada would agree with what i just read out from swami vivekananda he said there is but one the free the knower self without a name without a form or stain this is a wonderful um, pointing towards the turiya in him him with a capital h is maya dreaming all this dream in him is maya dreaming all this dream exactly this in turiya is maya dreaming all this dream that's the last explanation that gorapada would would sort of provisionally sign off on he has the least objection to that exp- explanation every other explanation he has an objection to he has an objection to the very concept of explanation remember if you try to explain why the lion was chasing the swami you are um, already moving away from the truth which is that there was no lion and there was no swami neither was there africa 
similarly here this uh, we want an explanation of this dream Gaurapada says if you want to call it Maya I have minimal objections <laughs> what then what would Gaurapada want us to do he wants us to give up the whole search for explanations the very search for explanation makes it real we are making causality real when you search for an explanation you are asking why so he doesn't wonder why there's this whole world experience. It is not there. See, he is very literal. When you say, look at your question, why is there a whole world of experience? Is, for him, is is only Turiya. I mean, he says, these experiences are there and they have their own reality, whether or not they're bound, you know. He will come to it. To their own world. reality, yes. So there is a kind of own reality to it, which he will talk about later. But uh, the easiest way to understand Gaurapada is, suppose you take the only the standpoint of Turiyam, the absolute reality. Then what would you say about all of this? That's what Gaurapada says. It may sound crazy to us and he's going to get crazier now. We'll see now. <laughs> so Maya can have a dream? No. Turiya can have a dream through Maya. Maya itself has, is, has no independent reality. What is happening now is because of Maya, we are having this dream. But first we have to realize the dream nature of it all. That's the way out of it. Otherwise, we'll be trapped in it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, who's next? All right, nobody. Let's go on. Um, Actually. Yes. So I have a question. Is there any question comment so far? I had a big confusion was that uh, dream world, what I see in the dream comes is a product of the mind. Yeah. Whereas in waking world, hmm. it's whatever I see is an appearance on consciousness. But yes. here, in the 66th uh, verse, yes. Gaurapada is trying to say that it is, there's also mind, it's also a product of the mind. Yes. In the waking world, what I would say. In, in that the... makes it my, my life my very simple. I, I can understand the whole thing now. It makes easy, the understanding much more easier. That's what I mean. It's a comment, not a question. So, am I correct to say that the waking world also what I'm seeing is a product of my, uh, the mind? Yes, but you might say it makes your world easier, but does it? It makes it more difficult. Our ability to distinguish between dream and waking makes our common sense life possible. What Gaurapada is ad advocating is pretty radical. He wants you to treat the waking world like you treat the dream world. No more real. Yeah, yeah uh, but, I, but at, least the, at least I can understand now what Gaurapada is saying. Yeah. In a logical he is logical. He is very logical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is very logical. But if you treat your job and your wife, husband, children as figments of dream, you see what they do to you then. The rea reaction will be <laughs> pretty harsh. It will convince you that they are real. <laughs> so, yes. But Gaurapada is logical. He says the same thing could have happened. Even in the, in the it will come next. How he gives a provisional reality to this waking world. What Bill was saying. Um, he would have said, see, even you, we all agree that the Africa experience was a dream. But in that dream, if when you are running from the lion, if somebody tells you it's a dream, don't run from the lion. Treat it as a dream. 
it's quite possible that the lion would have jumped on you and you would have had the terrible experience of being torn apart by a lion. Gaudapada would have said that it, that is also a dream. Now, if you are willing to do that in the waking state, it happened. Swami Turiyanandaji, he is with Gurudas Maharaj, who is an American monk. They are traveling towards, um, I think they are in Uttarakhand and in, they are on a pilgrimage. And at night, they are staying in a place with other pilgrims. They have lit a fire, it's cold. There are monks and devotees, householders, all of them are pilgrims. Now they are discussing Vedanta. And Turiyanji, of course, was a fiery Vedantin. So he's talking about the unreality of the world. And then one gentleman said, No, no, you cannot equate this life with this waking life with dream. And Turiyanji insisted, It's like a dream, nothing more. It's an appearance. And then the gentleman said, Can you thrust your hand into the fire? And Turiyanji got excited. He stood up and said, Yes, I can do it. The hand will get burnt. Huh? But I know it's neither the fire nor the hand, this body is real. I know I can do that. And he was about to do it, jump into the fire, when a group of people caught hold of him and pulled him back. See, he's very logical that way. Just because you think it's a dream, will not, even in a dream, a dream lion can eat up a dream Swami. <laughs> a dream fire can burn a dream Swami's dream hand also. But it, and the pain also will be there. But yes. Um, you can see that they are all appearances. That's what Gaudapada is saying. But that's understanding that is the only way to get out of the suffering. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely true. Let me just uh, go ahead with the next few verses. So that was 65 and 66. Now, if you see what's going on underneath, it's very interesting. 64, 63, 64, 65, 66. Gaudapada has taken up the Vijnanavada Buddhist argument that the world is a projection of the mind. Remember, not just consciousness, of the mind itself. Subjective idealist. Just like the dream, it seemed to happen outside, but it was all in your mind. Waking world is also, it seems to be outside the world, but it's actually all in your mind. That's what, who says? Not Vedantin, the um, subjective idealist Buddhist, Vijnanavada Buddhist. And someone like Berkeley, the uh, Bishop Berkeley, the uh, philosopher. Subjective idealism. And Gaudapada has used it. You see, as he says, just as a dream world is not different from the dreamer's mind. Similarly, waking world is not different from the waker's mind. But just as the dream world, dream mind is also an object to dream conscious, to the consciousness, not apart from it. Similarly, waker's mind is also an object to you, the consciousness, not apart from you. That was Gaudapada's argument. Now, if you see the next verse, you will see he is using the argument of another kind of Buddhist. The Shunyavadi. It is a very Nagarjunian argument which we will go into now. What he will say, let me just say that. It's a very sophisticated point he's going to make. He says, you know something? Mind and its object, they depend on each other. Have you noticed something? The way we were talking now, it's as if the mind is projecting its objects. Yeah. Lion and Africa and all projected by the mind. As if we are giving the, giving the uh, impression the mind is real and the objects are unreal. Like the mind is the projector and the objects are unreal. Uh, its mind is like the dreamer and so there is some reality to the mind. As if the mind can exist without projecting the objects. But he says, is it true? Isn't it rather that the knower and the known, they arise together and fall together? 
think about it whenever there is some knowing then only the when the object is known the knower is also known you have the experience of subject and object together or not at all the way you are arguing till now is as if you are trying to prove the subject is real and the object is unreal as if the object is a dream of the subject that's what you are trying to do when you are trying to say um, maya or god is dreaming this universe you are subtly in indicating or not so subtly that the dreamer god maya is something real and the rest is the dream of that maya god subject or whatever but is that true now he will ask isn't it more true that both of them come up together and disappear think about it many people have, have come across this or stumbled across it but it's actually nagarjuna's uh, insight when there are no thoughts when there are no perceptions feelings imaginations thoughts is there a mind at all when are you aware of the mind when the mind knows something when the mind thinks something when are you aware of the eyes when there is something to see when are you aware of the ears when there is something to hear knower and known subject and object rise and fall together they depend on each other both are false this is nagarjuna's argument not only is the world false that is the vigyanavadi but the knowing consciousness is also false why because they both rise and fall together there is no evidence of the mind existing without the known object i had an experience once in a very dark room in the himalayas it was so dark no light at all that i could not see anything even with my eyes open and i remember opening and closing my eyes rapidly and seeing it made no difference i could have been blind i would not have known the difference where is the evidence that your eyes are open if there is nothing to see where is the evidence of sense organs if there are no sense objects where is the evidence of a knowing mind if there are no knowing, knowable objects deep sleep deep sleep is suppose you consider deep sleep nothing is experienced Now we say the sleeping mind mind has resolved into its deep deep sleep state it's all language nagarjuna will say you're just playing with words where is the proof of the existence of the mind when the objects of waking or dreaming are not there so knower and known rise together fall together it is both they are uh, mutually supporting illusions they have no existence of their own don't try to make out as if the knower is real and the known is just an appearance both are equally false this is what he will say now 67 उभेन्योन्यदृश्येते किं तदस्ती नोच्यते लक्षणाशून्यमुभय लक्षणाशून्यमुभय तन्मते नृह्यते सो वे द माइंड एंड दि ऑब्जेक्ट सब्जेक्ट एंड ऑब्जेक्ट आर बोथ परसेप्टेबल टू इच अदर नो आर एंड नोन the question arises does it exist the answer is given no both of them lack valid proof and each is perceived merely because of a prepossession with the other with the, because of an dependence on the other because of an ob, a mutual obsession which is a very interesting um, uh, position to take 
and underlying as i told you if you have a background in buddhism you see how gaudapada has shifted from using vijnanavada buddhist logic subjective idealist mind is projecting its objects and then consciousness projecting the mind to subject object both rise and fall together the example used by nagarjuna by chandrakirti who is a commentator on nagarjuna this is hundreds of years before gaudapada they don't use snake and rope example you see the interesting thing about a snake and rope example is we it proves snake is an appearance though we see it it's not real and there is a reality which we do not see called rope similarly we will say there is this world it's an appearance and we do not uh, it's not real but there is a reality which we do not see which is our reality which is turiya brahma atma something so snake rope example immediately points to an underlying reality but the example chandrakirti is is uh, fond of is bales of hay hay which is tied together and they are kept in the field you will see after cutting they are kept like this stacks against each other like this mutually interlocking and supporting bales of hay they are not depending on something else they are depending on each other there is no further reality to them mutually interdependent they arise so suppose you take them away subject object are you saying there is nothing that also um, nagarjuna will not say he said i do not say there is nothing so I'll, because he says that then people will make nothing into an ultimate reality nagarjuna uh, chandrakirti uses another example of a child who was told by his mother here is a, uh, some paisa go to the shop and buy the groceries and don't come back empty handed so he goes and he asks for these things and the shopkeeper says but it's all gone it's uh, i don't have anything i have nothing and then the child said all right give me some of that i have i cannot go back empty handed so you said you have nothing so give me some of that uh, so nothing is also not a thing uh, you ca- you cannot say that there is nothing if that sounds very confusing and you are not uh, alone <laughs> so gaurapada here now will you say that he is uh, denying turiya itself no 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 what he is denying is earlier he had said there is a world there is a mind and there is consciousness then he defined he, he said that the world is an appearance because it's all in the mind now he is saying the mind is also not really real both mind and world appear and disappear together and you know his project is to point towards the underlying turiya turiya does not apply, uh, appear or disappear together you see why why turiya is that which reveals the subject and object interacting and when subject and object are not interacting deep sleep samadhi that is also you are speaking about it people have experienced it how so there must be something there uh, that is the turiya so that's what he is saying i mean he has not said it explicitly but he means that he is not denying turiya but he is denying the ultimate reality of mind ultimate reality of external world dismissed by vijnanavadi buddhist and the reality of the knowing mind now dismissed by the shunyavadi buddhist and is leaving the ground clear for advaita i am reading all this into it but of course he does not say it like that then let us do three more verses um 68 69 70 simple and easy verses so what about us what about these let's forget the great turiya but jiva back to 
sentient beings like us. What are we then? We means the apparent person. The reality we are Turiya, no doubt. 68, 69, 70. Yatha Swapnamayo Jeevo Jayate Mriyate Picha Tatha Jeeva Ami Sarve Bhavanti Na Bhavanti Cha As a creature seen in a dream undergoes birth and death, so also do all these creatures appear and disappear. Yatha Mayamayo Jeevo Jayate Mriyate Picha Tatha Jeeva Ami Sarve Bhavanti Na Bhavanti Cha As a creature conjured up by magic undergoes birth and death, so also all the, do all these creatures appear and disappear. Yatha Nirmitako Jeevo Jayate Mriyate Piva Tatha Jeeva Ami Sarve Bhavanti Na Bhavanti Cha as a creature produced through medicines and charms undergoes birth and death, so also do all these creatures appear and disappear. Um, artificial creature. So I was reading in, in Jewish uh, mythology there is this idea of a golem. So it's a mass usually of clay or mud which is animated. You put the name of God, write it down and uh, put it in the mouth of that golem. It's a vaguely human shape. It becomes animated and the one who controls it, it will do all tasks for you. And once you take it out, it will again become a lump of clay. Was it really born? Did it really die? No. It appeared to be an animate creature. Um, so I guess one day if we have, or we are almost there, robots for example, and you can plug, pull the plug on them. Similarly, he says artificial creatures. Uh, artificial creatures, Nirmitako Jiva. So he has given three examples. As all the creatures in your dream, they appear to have personal histories. The Swami in that Africa and the lion also was chasing the Swami and the tree which the Swami and the lion both climbed. All of them seem to be really there and you, you might trace out their histories. Uh, who were they? Where did they come from? Who were their parents? Uh, what is their lineage? All of that you can trace out. But no. It's inexplicable. Actually, they have no birth, no death. They appeared in the dream. Similarly, he says, Ami Sarve Jiva, every living being who has ever lived or will live or is living on this planet are appearances like that. He says, Bhavanti na Bhavanti cha. They appear to exist and then they don't appear to exist. They appear not to exist. It's not actually a real story of birth, living, dying, no. Then he goes and he, another example, Maya Mayojiva, like a magician uh, who produces apparently living creatures, you know, a dove out of a pigeon, out of a hat or something like that. Though those are actually <laughs> real pigeons, but there's a sleight of hand there. But imagine illusory creatures produced by magic. They really don't have a birth. They really don't have an end. They are all appearances or illusions. Similarly, all creatures here, just like artificial creatures, like a golem. Uh, so also all creatures here. Then what is real? Are we not real? Yes, you are real, but as Turiyam. Swami Vivekananda put it there, put it here. Somebody asked, but what about us individually as persons? We want to be immortal, absolutely real as persons. That's not possible. Swami Vivekananda said, uh, this individuality, he would make fun. You're not individuals yet. Think about it. Which individual? The baby, the child, 
the young man or woman, the old person, the one in, in coma in the ICU. Huh? Um, <laughs> which individual are you? These are just like a work in process, a series of changes. Which is your reality? It is only when we are identified with the absolute are we truly individual then. That's the cosmic individual. I don't want to go there because that also God of other will dismiss. <laughs> cosmic individual is the Virat or the Hiranyagarbha. That's also an uh, appearance. All right. Now, uh, let me do just two more. Okay, let me do these. 71, 72, 73. 71. Nakaschid jayate jiva na etad taduttamam satyam yatra kinchinna jayate. So, the grand conclusion is really speaking, no creature which has birth, whichever has birth, there is no source for it. And no creature is truly born. This is the highest truth where nothing whatsoever is born. Na kaschit jayate jiva. Ultimately, though they appear to be, they are not truly born. Why? To be born, to be created, to be produced, you require a source, a cause. There is no cause for that. Turiya is the only reality and it can never be a cause. It is consciousness. It is unchanging. It cannot change into that which is not consciousness. So, these are all appearances in Turiya. You might as well say the mind of the Swami became a human being, became uh, the landmass of Africa, became the uh, lion. No. Those were all appearances. The mind continued to be mind. Similarly, both the world and the mind are appearances in Turiya, which continues to be Turiya. Sambhava means cause. There is no cause, no possible cause of the birth of creatures. Notice this is the exact last verse of third chapter. Advaita Prakaranam, if you see the last verse, I think 48 verse, you see this verse itself. So, um, so Gaudapada keeps picking out those things and quoting them again and again. Okay. Um, uttamam Satyam, Uttamam Satyam, highest truth, Paramarthikam Satyam, absolute truth. Um, 72. So, the absolute truth is that there is Turiya only, non-dual Turiya. Then what is all this? All that we are seeing? 72. Chitta spandita me vedam grahya grahya kavadvayam chittam nirvishayam nityam Asangam te na kirtitam. Beautiful verse. This duality possessed of subject and object is a mere vibration of consciousness and consciousness is objectless. Hence it is declared to be eternally without relations. Very powerful verse. So let's break it up. 72. Chittam spanditam evedam. We have seen this earlier, the language of vibration, spanda. It's as if it's a vibration of consciousness. What appears? Mind, thought, perceptions and world. All of these are like appearances in consciousness. Just like, good example is dream. Mind being mind, not at all changing from mind, appeared to pro project human beings and animals and space and time and events, all of that. And that's something 
we cannot deny we experience in dreams all the time and nowadays we have virtual reality which we experience very realistic environments 3d with sound and motion all of that we can experience uh, it can be generated you just have to give the right impulses to the senses uh, and the mind will do the rest make a world out of it um, then next part he says grahya grahyaka vadvayam how does it vibrate how does consciousness vibrate remember caution from advaita perspective really no vibration it's because of maya it seems to be a vibration otherwise uh, you will create trouble for advaita if consciousness starts vibrating it will become kashmiri shaivism um how does it vibrate so called vibration as subject object grahya grahaka as seer and the seen um, hearer and the uh, heard uh, smeller and the smell taster and tasted uh, as thinker and thought and so but chittam nirvishayam nityam because conscious all these are projections of consciousness at no time are they anything apart from consciousness think about the dream when the swami dynamic action is going on the sweating poor swami is running across the plains of africa chased by a lion so much activity is going on huh? time space event um, living beings uh, predator and prey and all of that at no point is it anything other than thought isn't it it's the it's the dreamer's mind at no point there are no spaces time uh, events people animals nothing it's a dream exactly like that he's saying chittam nirvishayam nityam there is really no object really no object of consciousness there are appearances of objects but no actual object the way we think it right now there is a world out there here i am and consciousness is experiencing a world apart from it real objects real subject experiencing no chittam nirvishayam without consciousness uh, with consciousness without object when in samadhi when you get brahma gyana no nityam in waking state in dream state in deep sleep state none of them present any object for consciousness really so stunning thing to think of if you have no object then what is not possible no relationship is possible no subject object relationship is possible why because there are no objects so he says asangam te na kirtitam therefore it is sung in the upanishads this purushad consciousness is asanga without any attachment non stick consciousness why because there is nothing for it to stick to there is nothing for it relationship requires at least two poles two terms dvinishtha sambandha two real terms think about it can the clay have a relationship with the pot clay pot it's made of clay does the clay have a relationship with the pot no because there is no pot apart from the clay itself can the water in the wave the water have a relationship with the wave no so consciousness has no relationship with what it experiences because they are all no second item or uh, entity apart from the experiencing consciousness and therefore consciousness is asango asango hayam purushaha upanishad says that this is ever unattached even in the midst of 
thousand relationships, ten thousand attachments, friend, enemy, boss, employee, father, son, daughter, husband, wife, uh, grandfather, grand, uh, you know, grandchildren, uh, my eternal enemy. <laughs> I will never forgive that person. There is not one real relationship here. You are eternally unattached to anything. Proof, notice, none of it continues. None of these so-called relationships ever continues. They all have beginning and end. And even when they, have, when they seem to exist, at that time also they don't exist. That's why you have no connection with anything here. Every relationship, and you forget Turiya also, every relationship, it disappears in deep sleep. Every relationship disappears in deep sleep. Why deep sleep? It disappears in dreams. There are other relationships. And in the waking state also, now if you consider even the deepest relationship, how much do you think about it? Do you think about it every moment of every hour of every day? No. To keep a relationship alive, it requires the mind. And to keep the mind alive, it requires consciousness. Consciousness itself is unattached, asanga, very important. Notice this, now what is the take home from this? You are already at home. So, <laughs> what, is the, uh, uh, what is the spiritual message from this? One very powerful message. While conducting, while in the midst of all of these experiences and relationships, know that you are, by your very definition, by your very existence, ever free from everything. Never feel tied down, burdened. You don't have to run away to the mountain top in Himalayas to be free of uh, relationship, to be free of bondage. Nothing ever can bind you down. Asanga Purusha means nothing can bind this consciousness down. Nothing ever has actually. There is no other thing. What will bind you down? <laughs> Just think about it. It's a stunning thing. It means that you are ever free, you were free, you are free, you will always be free. There is even nothing that you have to do about it except realize it. Alright. Then, number 73, I'll end with that. We'll take a couple of questions. I'm going to this because there's an important point being mentioned here. Because uh, Praveen Babu asked about this. Uh, some amount of reality to be given to this world. 73. So here Gaurapada climbs down from his high horse and makes some allowance for us poor people. 73. Yo asti kalpita samvritya paramarthena nastyaso paratantra bhisamvritya syannasti paramarthata that which exists because of a fancied empirical outlook does not do so from the standpoint of absolute reality. Anything that may exist on the strength of that empirical outlook engendered by other systems of thought does not really exist. So what does he mean here? So he says, all that you are experiencing has a certain transactional reality, Vyavaharika. He calls it Samvritti Satyam. This is Nagarjuna's term. Nagarjuna said the Buddha gave two kinds of teaching, Samvritti and Paramarthika. So according to Nagarjuna, the Eightfold Way, the Four Noble Truths, Buddha himself, Eightfold Way, Nirvana, all of that, Samsara, all of that is Samvritti Satya, the apparent truth. 
Samritti literally means covering. Sanskrit Samritti means covering, that which covers up. This Samritti term was abandoned later and it became in Advaita Vedanta became Vyavaharika, transactional, empirical. So, there is a certain empirical value to it. This is important to notice. Because after a strong dose of Gaudapada, people go around demolishing everybody else's, um, it's all false, it, it does not matter, it's a dream, uh, don't care. And then you get into clash with other people who don't understand, they have not gone through Mandukya for two years, <laughs> they are normal people, we have become abnormal, so they are normal people. They will, uh, they will say, what do you mean the world is false? It's absolutely true, it's true. You're seeing it, hearing it. And they will say things like, go without food one day, you will realize the world is true or not. Yeah. And you will answer, Gaudapada has very nice answers to all of that. Knower and know, known, they depend upon each other, rise and fall. Food and eater of the food. Yeah. So, if food is not there, the eater will be hungry. Food is there, eater will be satisfied. But does not mean neither food or not the eater is real. People will think, this man has gone crazy. Stop going to Zoom classes. <laughs> so, brainwashed. So, Gaurapada here says, no, there is a field of transactional reality, Samritti Satyam or Vyavaharika Satyam, whatever you call it. In the dream, you better behave as if the lion is real, as you were behaving, and run away from the lion if you are going to save yourself, and pray to God also. Knowing all the while, he says, nasty aso, it's not true, paramarthika drishtya. What is the language he used? Pa, uh, paramarthena nasty aso. From Turiya perspective, my, in reality, internally you know, n all of this is an appearance. If, so, use your common sense in the midst of appearance. If you feel thirsty in the dream, go to the dream lake and drink the dream water, knowing all the time it is dream. In the waking state, after this, please go and have your dinner, as I will, after reading that the dinner is false and the eater is false. But there is a transactional reality in which it has a, has a value. See, you will spoil the whole thing if in the, in the movie, from the beginning to end, a Harry Potter movie, if you have taken your children to watch it and you tell the children from beginning to end, there is no Harry Potter, there is no magic, there is no movie, beginning to end, if you keep on telling that, then the movie is spoiled. Within the movie, there is a plot. There is a hero, there is a villain, there is activities, something happens. Give, so, you must retain the ability to act within the movie, knowing all the time it is a movie. You see, otherwise what is the use of Advaita? Advaita tells you while being fully active, reasonable, discussing, accepting everything what people are saying, as real also, knowing that there is a deeper reality, Paramartha Satyam, where all of this is an appearance. All of Gaudapada uh, applies, it is true. But I can function, just like everybody else in this world and better than everybody else. Why? Everybody else take this world to be the reality and the only reality. Therefore, terror and temptation and fear and anxiety, yeah, you know all of these are appearances in, in you, the Thurium. Neither the Covid, nor the body affected by Covid, nor the person, uh, say I am lying down in ICU and coma and dying, no problem. From Turiya perspective, all of it is an appearance. If the person, this body dies and falls also, as it will one day, it is of no consequence at all to the real you. You are totally free of it. You never wear this body. Why are you so concerned about this body? You are completely free, completely safe, all the time, without any effort. 
So, this is what the, the grand conclusion that Gaudapada tells us. But within the Vyavaharika, please behave. You can behave. You are free to behave. Don't be this crazy Mandukya Gaudapada person spoiling everybody's dinner and uh, saying crazy things. So, then he says, what about the other philosophers? So, he is making a philosophical point. Paratantra Abhisamritya Syat. Paratantra, other philosophies. Other philosophies are also Vyavaharika. So, when the, I can accept and understand when the Sankhya says, consciousness is real, but world is also real. Two realities, consciousness and world, Prakriti Purusha. I say, I put, put certain restrictions, limitations, parameters on the Advaitic perspective, you will get Sankhya. Put further restrictions, you will get something like Nyaya. You say, no, Jiva Jagat Ishwara is real. Dvaita Vedanta will tell you. The Advaitin is perfectly comfortable with that. Only thing he says, he doesn't have to go and say there is all false. No. Upon a deeper investigation, you find a deeper reality called Turiya. But, if you don't want to go there, Dvaitavadi does not accept Nirguna Brahman. Does not accept Turiya as we have talked about. Vishishta Dvaitavadi does not accept. They all stop. All theistic religions stop with um, Jiva Jagat Ishwara. There is God. There is the world and there is you. Now let's talk. All right. The Advaitin can happily function with that. The, the test of a deeper philosophy, of a truer philosophy, is that it can easily understand the more um, less the less advanced, the more primitive philosophies. The more primitive or less advanced philosophies cannot ad- understand the deeper philosophy. See from um, you as a PhD in mathematics or physics, you can understand what the little kid is studying in um, grade 5 or grade 6 science. You understand very well. But that kid doesn't understand you. That doesn't mat- mean that you will have to say that everything is wrong in your textbook. Not at all. Under a certain perspective, it's right. And the kid has to learn that way. So, when you talk with the kid and you teach physics and mathematics to the kid, at grade 5 or grade 6 level, you behave accordingly. You don't look at it from the perspective of uh, relativistic physics or from superstring theory, no. Okay. Samvritya. Um, without compromising your Advaitic uh, foundation, you can happily interact with. So, many people are misled by this. You know, when I say, I am so happy to learn Kashmiri Shaivism, Madhyamaka Buddhism, Shunyavada, Vijnanavada, many different theories of um, uh, Western philosophy and all. I can understand and I can appreciate it, even use it. But that people are misled. Not that I agree with it, not at all. Not at all. It is only at a certain level. If you really want to investigate it, the whole thing will fall apart. A- apply something like, um, say, Gaudapada's analysis, it just disappears. None of those philosophies, as he says, um, Abhisamvritya, Paratantra, they are all part of Samvritti Satyam, uh, transactional reality. They have their use. I am not saying they do not have their use. If mind is, for example, I will end with this, mind is disturbing me, then what will help me? Patanjali Yoga will help you, certainly. Mindfulness meditation will help you. See, Godapada will say, you have taken the mind as real, you have taken the disturbances as real, and you have set up a project for removing disturbances, real disturbances from a real mind. 
all right then go to patanj patanjali yoga or uh, mindfulness meditation and they will help at that particular stage but one thing you will notice is there is no final satisfaction in any of those systems final liberating satisfaction comes from this and this alone so i'm sharing with you my agreement with gaudapada okay last observations comments before we end amiji there are two questions in chat yes Rodrigo and Peter. Yes. So Rodrigo says moment of realization in that instant are the indriya shut down or working to their full potential in the moment of realization if it you're talking about samadhi patanjali yoga and all at that time everything has to be shut down you have to be sitting still ashtanga yoga sampragyata and asampragyata samadhi you have to be sitting still even the breath is uh, in kumbhaka and uh, sense sense organs are uh, not outward mind is shut down so that is yogic um in uh, advaitic realization all of it could be working practical purposes you have to focus for a while on advaitic teaching at that time you can't have mind thinking of all things eyes and ears seeing different things and the mind scattered that will not work some amount of focus is necessary then that sounds like thakur's vigyan a very big topic no it thakur's vigyan is actually a little deeper than this notice gaudapada has a slightly snarky attitude he will keep saying that they are all transactional reality they are all vyavaharika samvritti satyam so fine investigate deeper i agree with you at that level investigate deeper all of this disappears but thakur doesn't do that all right uh, peter fell swami ji if the reality is eternal and unattached 4.72 is gorapada and attached there is something that is permanent and unattached is this a break with the manduk madhyamaka position of no position ah you have to wait for 4. 74 where he will say whatever i have taught you till now about turiya now it's the time to let it go pure being sat no all pervading reality sarvavyapi brahman no eternal reality no <laughs> all of that is going to come very shocking but very logical as if you think about it he will use the madhyamaka approach the shunyavada approach i'm saying that for example um the turiya is beyond cause and effect which means causality is an appearance there's no real causality now he will ask in number 74 if there is no real causality what's the point of talking about beyond cause and effect it's not there so why talk about it being there once you have understood once you have removed the error of causality now will you say define turiya as being that which is beyond causality but now all that problem of causality is over suppose you have gone through all this now why use that definition let go of it if you say um all pervading brahman but you are accepting all then only you are saying all pervading brahman uh, that you are accepting space saying all pervading brahman 
eternal reality. You are accepting time and then you are saying eternal reality. You are a non-dual, even Advaita. There is no second thing. You are accepting that there could be other things. Then with respect to that you are saying they are not different from Brahman. So they are, uh, Brahman is non-dual. But others are not there at all. Where is the duality which you are, you are uh, distinguishing Brahman from? Uh, so he will go into that level of analysis which is very Madhyamaka. Uh, but I will let me not um, talk about it now. I, that's why I kept it for tomorrow. It's uh, you have to approach it with a fresh mind. It can be very shocking, but then you will see it's very logical also. It's just the logical next step to take. Take, yeah. I think at that point, Sushma ji, hold on to your question. Sushma Burdlia, hold on to a question. We'll have it. Uh, we'll deal with it tomorrow. We have well gone well over time.